am here today with Renee Sylvain Bedar, who is the CEO of a company called Indomnius, which is a consultant AI agency, which does some pretty cool stuff in terms of automation, and we will dive into that. But also, Renee has 25 years of experience in the IT consultant industry. He created, evaluated, designed, and delivered multi-million dollar infrastructure projects for large companies like Bell Canada, uh, banks, airlines, and University of Montreal, and a lot of other ones. Renee, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. And the pleasure is shared. Fantastic. Renee, why don't we start with you talking a little bit about your uh, background. I know you have a heavy involvement in the IT industry, and you started right at the time where internet was coming out. It was about early 90s. So maybe you could talk about that. I think you were in develop. You be you were a developer. What was it like? What were you doing in those early days of internet? So. Great question. I mean, originally I started watching Fax Machine, believe it or not, on a night shift. Uh, that was back in 1995. Uh, during that time, I had the opportunity to work for a magazine company, and they were right into that vein of going online, going, becoming a, an internet service provider. So I had a chance to touch about everything. And uh, I literally learned HTML directly mm-hmm. from the i3 specs so it was something of a challenge yeah had a background in it already i had done so, like two and a half years of it in sherbrooke where i'm from and turned around then started coding websites and uh, within a few years uh, we had i was part of a startup called nomex was yeah. later acquired by computerware and we were coding things like the montreal canadians website Mm-hmm. which was a web app. We created a CMS from scratch. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> Great times. <laughs> what What are some of the early learnings you had at that time? I'm sure you, there was, there was uh, a, a lot of change going on and a lot of fast change going on. Web browsers, uh, languages. Uh, what was it? What was it like for you? Like, how did you? What did you learn at the time? And then, what were you uh, thinking for the future? Like, were you? What were your vision for going forward? It was an insanely fast learning pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, you know, putting in the first beta uh, for Windows ninety five or the first beta for a website on NT three point five. I mean, you had to yeah. learn everything from scratch because nothing existed. Yeah, you don't have uh, all that. You don't have the for... manuals, right? You don't have that. Like, you don't really. You can't really Google this thing or go online and just. <laughs> Google download. didn't exist. Yeah, like, exactly, right? <laughs> you can't just go and just get the PDF of it or just YouTube it. Like, every, like right now, you can't for everything for free, right? Yeah, no, you actually had to go to the manufacturer's FTP <laughs> site and download the manuals and go through the manuals and learn how it worked. It was amazing. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great foundation, meaning that. Uh, a few years down that road, uh, I mean, I learned SQL, uh, Cold Fusion Markup Language, and we basically built an entire web platform from scratch within two months. So it was rapid pace, rapid learning, mm-hmm. rapid failing, <laughs> and just you know, learning very, very fast how to how to make it work. No, that's totally, totally true. So where, at that time, where you were getting your, like, information? So you, you were going to just download in, uh, the manuf- from the manufacturers, websites, whatever literature you could find. But were you, like, where, where else did you could find, like, any 
any good resources? Was it just like testing and learning, or were you getting it in the library? Well, what was it? What was it like? So that I was lucky enough to have an English uh, education here in Quebec, and uh, I was able to actually get the books as soon as they were uh, they were coming off the press, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Uh, I was I'm always been an avid reader. I still am today, uh, so I would actually devour books as they were coming out. So within one, two, three months of technology being released, I would actually start applying what I have learned in books. I have labs at home. Uh, and still, here's a good example. Uh, you know the technology Active Directory? Uh, yeah, I think, is, I think I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's identity management from Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And it, it powers like 95% of all companies out there. When you have a login in Windows, usually there's a, an Active Directory behind it. Well, I implemented that for a company on February 10th, 2000, and the product came out on February 17th, 2000. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, the, yeah. I that... mean, I was connected with Microsoft. They were feeding me stuff, and I was just streaming along forward. You know, it yeah, just right. keep going. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something super important because you are also heavily into personal growth and I am and a lot of listeners on this podcast are. That's why it's called Circular's Growth. But you said that when you read the book, you were able to implement it very quickly. And what I found that, you know, even if you come across a really great book and you're super excited, the real learnings and the real uh, knowledge happens after you apply something and you actually implement it versus even if you take notes, even if it sounds great, and if you, even if you read it, it's not quite the same, right? Oh, I agree. Totally. I mean, I remember when I was, what, 21, 22, and I would read, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony, uh, Tony Robbins. Oh, Tony yeah. Robbins, absolutely. I, we, so know, we know him well. So I, I read Tony Robbins, I listened to the tapes, and then I started applying. Mm. And it would literally change my life. You know, it would take a different curve altogether. And it's where I would actually move forward, start learning, and, and just, you know, basically take your life into your own hand. You know, mm -hmm. it, it has to do with focus. It has to do with where, where you want to be, but also key actions you take every single day. Uh, one of my mm -hmm. commitments, you know, is to, I get up at five every morning. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a ton of friends that ask me how crazy I am to do that. <laughs> but, you know, it gives me two or three more hours every day compared to them. And it's huge. And I put those to good, to good use, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, so to totally. I mean, I think, uh, like, I still listen to Tony Robbins tapes, and it's funny because, you know, they're all in Nampa 3, it's all on my smartphone, and I and Tony talks about it saying, oh, just, uh, like, it's going to be, like, uh, it's. he says, like, oh, turn on your CD or turn on your, put on your tape, which is so funny because those were recorded those. in 2000. Yep. And they're still there. Mm -hmm. Like, you could, you could still download them online. But the value is huge because those concepts haven't changed. Uh, the, the personal development concept haven't changed. Now, you founded your... You, how was what was your experience like founding your first company? Because I know you are, you were three times founder, and um, what was it like for the, your first company? So the first company was a mix of excitement and fear, because uh, I knew the idea was great, mm -hmm. but I I didn't I didn't validate and I didn't get any 
external support for it. I have basically plunged on my own. And uh, it, it was a it was a, a hard lesson learned. Let's call it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the original thought behind the idea was to create an application service provider, an ASP. So basically, leasing services to company uh, for Microsoft services. Mm-hmm. So my motto was basically to let accountants be accountants, and we would take care of their IT. Right. Now, this is 2001. Uh, funny thing, funny detail. The company's incorporation date was September 11th. So that can tell you how, what kind of market I walked into. Yeah, it was like it was just like the, the time. I think it was the time when the iPod was introduced as well, or similar, similar time, which is like the yep. worst. Yeah, similar timing. So uh, all the concepts that I was bringing in are now known as Office 365 and Azure AD, and it's mm-hmm. it's great. And Microsoft took it over, you know, took over those ideas and just you know make them reality. Right. Uh, and they were in a position to do that. I alone, with a minimal team, you know, a small concept in my basement, wasn't quite able to do that. And I wasn't able also to sell it to bankers because it was way, way too far-fetched for mm. for any conservative banking. Mm. Okay. No, that totally, totally true. So, so what would be the, the takeaways for some of the people who are thinking of starting their own business or about they're thinking of jumping into uh, a new industry, for example? Do they have to... What 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 is the maybe the questions they have to ask themselves? Well, first you need to validate your timing very carefully. Uh, it's great to have an idea that's ahead of its time. I, I think you know even today with Indominus we have ideas that are ahead of our time, but we're going and actually validating everything we're doing before we're starting coding. Hmm. So every time we have new features or we have a group of medium-sized companies in our case, because that's our target market. Mm-hmm. And we basically go and interview them. Uh, we do the what's known as a product market fit. So we make sure that there is a market for what we want to build. And the other thing I would recommend is surround yourself with the, with the proper people, either as advisors, as board members, mm-hmm. or as co-founders, if you have you know people you trust that have those edge that you don't have. So for my case, uh, in 2001, I didn't have anybody in finance. So I would take care of all the finance. And I'm an IT guy. My finance was not my forte back then. I had to learn everything about finance. Hmm. So all that time you spend about learning how to market, how to sell, how to finance, you can't be a a jack-of-all-trade. You need to have support in those areas. Oh, absolutely. Like, so, it's so hard, right? Like, uh, especially yeah. for a founder, like knowing everything is almost impossible. And I think that's where they, they get into a challenge of when you have to hire an engineer or you have to hire a VP of marketing. And as a founder, you don't really have those skills. You don't really know. So how do you qualify somebody? And then uh, even if you hire and you're lucky to hire somebody who's amazing, how do you keep them accountable? Because they oftentimes, or those people could be a lot smarter than the founder, but they have to still keep those people accountable. And also, especially today, you have to be able to keep those people. Right. Because, I mean, the, the market is voracious. I mean, I, I had a technical lead not too long ago who was great and he was, you know, he knew the product, he knew where we were going and he was, you know, streaming ahead on it. He got offered twice the salary I was paying him. 
Yeah, those are those are such a such a difficult things to to you know kind of mitigate because like on on and one on one hand you're like a small or relatively smallish startup and then how can you compete with the funding that Salesforce has or Bell has or or this huge Microsoft like corporations like that and and keep the right talent because otherwise it's it's going to be very tough because the B players attract the B players. Exactly. And. Last but not least, I'd say also if if there are expertise that you don't find the right people to do, mm. surround yourself with the right partners. So a good example I have in my current company is that we have this great accounting firm that basically supported us to create the business plan to ensure all of our accounting was clean, clear, and we just walked into a bank with their paper and it made all the difference in the world. Mm. Right, because we had we had been validated by their accounting rules, and their just the fact that having their name on it basically said that we were clean and square. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. That that's that's super important. Um, completely agree. Uh, with regards to Renee, I think after you, so you, so you co-founded your or oh, you started your your company, and then uh, at some point in your career, you got into sales which was a bit of a kind of a deviation from what you normally do. What was like, what was it like to be in the realm of something that maybe you're not the best at, or you're, you don't have the core competency you haven't spent a lot of years at? So it was a kind of a known quantity, but it was also a large part of unknown. Uh, I had done technical pre-sales. I had been to sales meeting, mm-hmm. but I had never been the one to open the door. Right. So it was scary. Uh, basically, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. The <laughs> I call this the manic depressive job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when when customers call you back and actually are interested, you know, you're a king of the world. And when you spend three weeks without anybody returning your call, it is depressing. So I had to basically apply everything I had learned, put in all the discipline I had put into any other learning mechanism that I did. Mm. And I started structuring and I started, you know, going ahead and and making, working hard at it, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it is a strength that I have is that I'm a real hard worker. So I would actually go ahead and I would make social network. I would make social events. I would broadcast information about the product Mm -hmm. i would go and meet partners all those would actually turn around and generate interest on a market that was quote-unquote cold so i went from doing 30 percent of my numbers you know over the first year Mm -hmm. and when i left i was at 130 percent of my numbers so i had been able to attract those key partners that would actually you know make it a success and I think I left a, a very healthy pipeline <laughs> into my successor. No, that's 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 super super important. And I think you you mentioned something so critical where it's so easy to be happy when things are going well, uh, but then when when things are not working well, it is a it's a lot comes down to how do you manage your thoughts? Not even just a situation, but your thoughts and uh, like what do you do if it, this thing doesn't work? So what maybe somebody can like what type of questions people can ask themselves if they're going through hard times or sort of things that work for you that somebody else could apply 
to help them get through a hard time if they're maybe in sales or if they're building their own business, which is almost never easy? I'd say that uh, I go back to like Castaway and when he says, who knows what the sea will bring you tomorrow. It is, it is the type of thinking that you need to have. You never know what the next hour could bring. Mm -hmm. You have to be keeping a close check on your on your state of mind and, and your internal dialogue because it has to be focused on what can you change? What can you what can you actually do to create momentum? And if momentum doesn't pick up, how do you keep doing it until it pick up? Mm. And and it's really about managing that inner state. Uh, you can't let despair win. That just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and I, I always remember uh, one thing that I actually thought my kids, uh, Tony Robbins used to say that how you feel is physical. Mm-hmm. So if you, you can't pull your shoulders back, look up the ceiling, grin, and feel depressed. So you have to get into action. If you feel like you're going down or you're going depressed, you have to to move. You have to either clean up your space, clean up your desk, do something that will help you clean up your head. And that's the way I've approached just about every day of my life. I mean, if I feel down, if I feel depressed, I need to be in action. I need to do something about it. Right, because when you are doing something, you you bring more confidence to yourself because, like... uh, that that that's where you know if 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 a person is disciplined and if they are putting in the work, sure, it might not even be working. But if they keep doing it, then it's very likely will work out. It's 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 easier to be depressed when you're just or people are sitting on the couch and doing nothing. Then yeah, there's a good reason why they should be worried. Versus when when the things are happening, even if they are wrong, there's still a good oppor- There's still a good likelihood that something good will come out of it. And also, when I was doing, you know, rock climbing some 15 years ago, I remember that feeling. You know, you have your destiny at the tip of your finger, Mm -hmm. and you can't think about anything else. So when it comes to action, I really have that that deep sense of, you know what, if you're doing something, you don't have time to be depressed. Right. It's almost like I think Tony Robbins talks about it, which I liked as an as an analogy where people when people look exactly when they're driving a car and they look into that wall, they eventually going to hit it because they are focused on the wall. Instead, if they will be focused on the corner, they will make the corner, even though it's extremely scary. So when people are afraid of something and they focus on what they're afraid of, they will get that. Exactly. What is your opinion on talent versus hard work because you did mention hard work and there's this debates that people have a lot of them where um, talent is everything and some people say talent doesn't matter I'm just going to outwork everybody so it, it's funny because it's actually one of my questions in my interviews I ask my staff are you smart are you the work hard yeah and it's a very it's a very hard question to answer because nobody wants to say they're not smart right <laughs> but uh, I I feel attitude is the the differentiator, meaning that you can be smart, but if you have a lousy attitude, it won't matter. You will not make the team. Mm. Uh, You can be talented, 
but if you're talented and we need to keep you in a closet and feed you pizza under the door, that's not helping. Right. Uh, you need to be able to take your place in a team. You need to be able to walk into that zone, be honest, be clear, and actually deliver what you're saying. So it's actually about integrity. It's about personal power. It's about being able to say, I'll do this. I'll make this happen by that date. And on that date, deliver it. Mm -hmm. So whether you're very smart and you're able to do that in eight hours and take the other eight hours slacking, or you work 16 hours for the next two days and deliver it on time, that's not what matters. What matters is that you've delivered when you said you were going to deliver. Right. It's almost like you're as good as, you're only as good as your last delivery. You're only as good as your word. Mm -hmm. no Because one. it's not only about delivery, it's about, you know, if you say you're going to go and help somebody and you don't show up, you've just messed up your credibility. A hundred percent. So, it's more, I'm more into that yeah. kind of space. What is, what about, you did mention when you are doing interviews and you're, you're looking for, to hire somebody, what is your interview process like? What do you look for uh, in an employee to make sure that they are the right fit, they have the right skills, they have the right background? Do you go for, for a skill set or you do you go for the potential and willingness to learn? Uh, what, what, is, what is your framework? I definitely go for the spark. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually looking for that spark in the eye, the person who wants to learn wants to grow, wants to move forward, wants to, wants to carry its weight. Uh, I've, I've hired some wonderful people that were just fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. And one of them is funny because he had just made a career switch, made a boot camp of six weeks, but he was willing to just devour any type of information that, that we were giving him. So he, he turned out to be one of our great front-end developers, and he just keeps learning and learning and learning and just goes at it as much as he can. Mm -hmm. well, so yes, I'm definitely looking for the spark. Right. What, what, about, what about experience? Like, or if you're looking for somebody who has experience, how do you make sure that experience they have is the right fit for your environment, for your company, for your size, for the, for the, for the stage where you're at? That's a, that's a very hard one, and we've had to tackle that one a couple of times. So we've had people with great experience who turned out to be not right for a startup. And so the way I'm, I'm getting around that now is more into, okay, we've validated that you have the experience. So here's how we work here as a culture, mm -hmm. and will you be able to live in that culture? Because we have a fairly demanding culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, we give a lot, but we also ask a lot, and we're we're really into integrity, honesty, you know, being frank, sp speaking directly, and that creates you know sometimes tension on people that are not willing to change, not willing to hear what others have to say. So it's it's not for everybody, right? So no no and asshole step of policy. Yeah, exactly. Don't hire a brilliant jerk. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, so that really comes down to basically, uh, it's almost a test of fire. It's like, okay, here's the management team. Here's here's how we work. So you're going to come and spend a few days. We'll see how that works. And, and then, if you're accepted, if you're you know, if you deliver, if you support, and you're able to fit into the team, 
then you're part of the team. We can't just say, oh, I'll hire a new VP and here's a new VP and he's going to do things his way. And mm-hmm. that, that can't work in a startup world. Right. And I mean, I think it's so important to, to stick to your values. And one of, the, one of the great examples that I personally love is there's uh, Steve Jobs was doing an interview. Uh, it was in 2010. He was doing it at All Things Digital Conference. Uh, Kara Swisher uh, was, uh, was leading that. And he was asked the question about when... Um, the iPhone 4 pro- prototype was stolen in 2009 at the bar, and then Apple or Steve Jobs was leading that um, lawsuit of that journalist who picked it up. And uh, a lot of people advised Steve to not do that because they are a large company, they're going to get negative PR. And then what Steve said is that the worst thing that can happen when we get large and we get a little bit more influence is to change and we, to change our values. And he said, I would. I'd, I'm going to. I'd rather quit, and we will not change our values. We will still do what we have to do, which I thought was so important. Regardless of the size, they are. Regardless what what PR they're going to get, they still do what they have to do. Yeah, and this is what blocks innovation in large company as well. It's when they want to get safe, and they want to just do what's right and they don't want to take chances and oh but you know we have such great sales with this product why would we change it <laughs> so th- those are the traps that i'm trying to avoid at all costs 100 percent. a cannibalization is so and you could like we could always see it like right now with apple they are afraid uh steve never cared about cannibalization he like he was happy to cannibalize his own products with his own products um yep renee so what who do you learn from to to be to get to that next level to always learn more to what are some of the people you look up to right now so right now uh there are a a few people that i <laughs> that i look up so some of them are no longer with us i mean right now i'm i'm reading leonardo da vinci's biography uh, so that's the type of, of reading that i have these days okay uh i i like the boldness intelligence and delivery that Elon Musk is doing Mm. because although you know he's getting sometimes trashed with his PR techniques (laughs) uh, on Twitter mostly yeah I mean the guy does amazing things and he's done amazing things you know he's revolutionizing two markets at once almost three now so I mean kudos at the same time I'm looking at leaders when it comes to, uh, for example, Satya Nadella, how he turned around Microsoft, uh, his legal counsel, who's actually, you know, looking for a digital Geneva convention, which I think is a great idea. Uh, a lot of the things that are happening within Microsoft research, and not that I read only about Microsoft, but this is my key focus, so you I'm definitely actually interested are, in what they're doing. You are for a Microsoft, which is fair. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, but but the idea is that reading a lot about people that have brought great innovation into this world, brought in different type of thinking, different type of learning. Uh, I mean, I've read just about everything there is to be read about Jobs. Right. Uh, Wozniak also. Very, very interesting point of view. Very cool guy. Very different. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I don't know if you've read The Innovator's Dilemma. Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and The Solution, uh, those are two of my favorites. Mm. Um, so those are the type of things that I'm getting into. Uh, I love listening to 
well, your podcast, which makes me, you know, see fellow entrepreneur and fellow innovators in the market. Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, Masters of Scale, which is, I think, uh, something of a reference now. It's very cool, yeah. I, I like yeah. Reed's Reed's great. Yep. He's got a lot of cool things to, to, to share from LinkedIn and from just product management perspective. I, I, I totally found him very cool. Um, Renee, what about, so you did mention some books, and that was my, my next question, actually. What are some of the books that you read that you end up coming back to that are just that good? And you reread them, maybe you could see some, some of the things that in, in, in a new context. One book that's funny enough, and I hope people don't uh, <laughs> don't take it bad, is uh, MBA in a book. So mastering business with attitude. Okay. It's basically masters of each of the sections, if I can say, of an MBA that come in and actually wrote a chapter. So you have a chapter on sales by a master of sales. You have a chapter on marketing by a master of marketing. So that book I keep on going back to a lot. It's a, kind of like a manual, right? It is, and it's, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, I'm turning around so I can actually look into my, my library behind me. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, I go back to a lot. Mm. Uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Absolutely. Uh, she's, she's amazing because she, she opened up a, a whole new space for me. Uh, and we will link it all. We will link it all in the show notes, so everybody who's listening, they can check them out on Amazon, grab them because I think those are like those are really great. Now, from yeah. anybody who's in business and B two B, B two C, looking to uh, be in in a tech, be in a tech career and grow personal as well. Like Brenda Brown is, she's, mm-hmm. she's amazing. I totally agree. Yeah, and, and there's also Thrive from the uh, the the Uffington Post uh, creator. Uh, I mean that that also hit me fairly hard because I was being a hard worker, you know, you put in the hours and and you don't necessarily take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you read her story and how she fell down and basically needed to stop in order to regenerate herself, I mean that's an impressive story. And and whatever she did afterward was also very with Tribe International that was very inspiring. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't read it. I've heard, but I'll definitely put it on the list. I want to check that out. Yep. Amazing. Well, Renee, where's everybody could find you online? Uh, quite a few places. Uh, so mm-hmm. Indominus.com is obviously the, the first place to go. Uh, I'm also uh, on LinkedIn. I've got a very, you know, very well-defined, a very well-attended profile on LinkedIn. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we're on Twitter, both Indominus and myself. Okay. Uh, same thing for Facebook, Instagram. So we can, I can just send you all of those later. Absolutely. So we have a full stack, which is great, of a full social media stack, uh, and which is awesome. And we will absolutely, I will put the link below, links below. So uh, if you guys want to know more about what Renee is doing, his company, Indominus, really cool stuff on, uh, on automating the IT consultant. Uh, which uh, Renee can talk more about that. We will link that. And uh, But otherwise, Renee, it was great chatting with you and really appreciate you joining. 
it was amazing. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Renee. And if you guys like the episode, uh, leave a six-star review. Again, this is a six-star only show. I would really appreciate it. Go on iTunes or you can go on Apple Podcasts and uh, just leave a six-star review. Tell us what you think and I uh, would love to hear from you and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.